I think that excellence can and does exist uh, at every level, and, and it shouldn't matter whether you're flipping, you know, foie gras or burgers, really. I think to cook well, Anthony Huckstep, you've got to want to cook well. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. On Tuesday, Queensland finally opened its borders. With international travel still in doubt and the sun shining, people are eager to travel Australia and enjoy the hospitality of our great country. After the devastation of bushfires followed by a pandemic, what sort of summer should we expect down under? Alastair McLeod is the chef and owner of Alfresco Catering in sunny Queensland. Alastair, how are you going? The mellifluous tones of Anthony Huckstep. Nice to talk to you, sir. I am very well. well it's great to have you here. You know, the borders have just opened. It's nice and warm up there today. How, how are you feeling about that? Uh, I think with uh, with a bit of sort of uh, caution, I think it's a very good thing. Um, the borders were closed for a very long time up here. Um, we've been very conservative in our handling of this uh, i'm sure some schools of thought would say that that's that served mm. us well um but uh, there's a lot of people here very happy what sort of impact has the borders being closed had on on queensland businesses i suppose it depends which market you are in i mean i was up doing a cooking thing in a place called yapoon just sort of uh, the, uh, out to the coast from rockhampton and i was asking a couple of restaurateurs there how they were going and they were saying do you know what, Alistair, it's been like Christmas for the last eight months. Uh, maybe not the last eight months, but certainly since, you know, we opened up again, people have been, you know, really exploring their own backyard. And they have been as full as a doctor's wallet, full as a state school hat rack, the, the hotels, the restaurants, the cafes. And, and, and they were going, you know, they felt a bit guilty saying it almost, but they were going, this, is, this has been very good. Um, but then, if you're a restaurant in the CBD, I know you've talked to many of the chefs. I heard you talking to uh, Jake Nicholson a wee while ago. And, you know, it, it's a real struggle. They've had to really be innovative and dynamic with, with their offering to to keep revenue flowing. You, you do many things uh, across food. What sort of impact has this year had on, on what you do? I mean, we have a, a catering business. That That's my main hat, uh, Anthony Huckstep. And, you know, initially, mid sort of May, it was, uh, it was a wipeout, absolute wipeout. We just, it was, everyone was just uh, jettisoning uh, the, the diary. I mean, what do they say? If you're looking for sympathy, you'll find it in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. But it was it was really grim. I mean, it was it was really really confronting. Uh, I, I was away for a couple of days um, up north, and my wife—it's my wife and I who run the business, uh, Ashley—and she said, "Oh my goodness, this is." I have been fielding calls all day, and I said, "Well, that's pretty normal." But it was people just just getting out corporate bookings. Uh, just the diary just went to zero. Um, a big part of our business would be uh, weddings, you know, making people happy with your craft. Very, very satisfying from a job point of view. They, to be fair, none of them cancelled, uh, Anthony. They they all postponed. And we can see them if we stand on our tippy toes. I'm only five foot six and a half, but if we stand on our tippy toes, we can still see them in the diary. <laughs> 
Um, they don't get married in summer, they, but they do get married in, you know, in spring and they do get married next autumn. And so uh, uh, we can hang in there, um, but be pretty confronting. What sort of things do you do in the initial stages to sort of keep money coming in the door? Initially, uh, we, we drank booze um, and, and we, we, we live uh, in the, well, pretend countryside. We live 35, 40 minutes from the Brisbane CBD and we just, we just came up for air for a second. Uh, Anthony, you know, we, we, with, with a small business like this, you know, we, we're um, cooks and uh, uh, phone call fielders and light bulb changers and toilet, you know, it's the whole gamut. And so we just came up for air for a second. And then, and you know, you know, that, that whole idea, you rest, you rust, you just, you know, and I, I, I said to uh, Ashley, we, we, I need to, to cook, you know, uh, uh, not with any great, uh, um, nobleness you know it's it's it, it's the i don't have a hobbies anthony huckstep you know to speak of it's and i find, i was cooking a lot at home and asked like we were you know we were around each other and I said, can you stop cooking so much and i said well we just need to, we need to eat and i was making dumplings and you know wrappers you know pastry wrappers from scratch and she said could you just stop i was giving her the edgar brits just by cooking <laughs> and then so because we live in in you know a community everyone lives in a community but we live in a, a valley of twelve thousand people and obviously people can come in and can leave that valley but there's a real sense of of that sense of fraternity of collegiateness and so we 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 identified and we use through the business, oh, Anthony, probably 20 different suppliers, farmers, fishers, growers, you know, producers, distillers, brewers, that whole, the whole catastrophe from around this area. And, and we thought, well, surely they would, must be experiencing diminished demand as well. And so we decided to create some meals using, which was our normal normal golf swing anyway, using uh, perhaps a surplus demand that they would have had and create dishes that we could then deliver to just our postcode. And our postcode could be, you know, uh, 45 minutes from one end to the other. Um, and so we did that. And we have, we have a, a, a place in our community through local dinners that we do and we just thought you know it really wasn't about remuneration i mean really and and you know if you can cross a, a pale across um all of the deep in the weeds uh podcast is none of these none of these guys and girls are doing it for remuneration you know if you want money you should rob a bank um it's a job that's driven by zeal by fervor by a passion for making people happy and so we decided to do that, and it went it went bonkers. It went absolutely bonkers. And so our chef Steve, who has worked for me, uh, Anthony Huckstep, for you know eighteen years, um, who we had laid off, um, we brought him back, and we cooked. We cooked, and in our commercial kitchen, Anthony, we have a not like other kitchens. There's no, you know, the heat of the kitchen isn't just temperature, you know. Kitchens are sweaty, 
bloody bastardly places and that's just the good ones you know our kitchen has a coffee machine our kitchen has a television so we can watch the chase in the afternoon and you know we can learn what the capital of azerbaijan is and and so on and so you know a preparation kitchen for a catering business our catering business anyway has a different rhythm there's no ding 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 of the docket machine ringing ringing in our ears um and so we got in the kitchen and we did what we do and we cooked and we learned how to package food and we learned how to understand the logistics of doing delivery runs and and we continued to make people happy how important was that for you during that time oh it was really um really cathartic it was it felt i mean you know cooking is the job that you don't need to wait for my wife will disagree with me the the monthly figures or the weekly figures or the quarterly report to know whether you've done a good job or not that's not the measure for a cook the measure is people saying alistair that was amazing that tasted great and you immediately know your place in the universe that that is that is the reason for cooking i mean sure you got to know the back end stuff and you got to have that um to propel you forward but that felt very nice anthony it felt nice to be symbolically out of the house and going to people's doors i mean that that's what really if i can just digress for a second that's what differs i believe catering or the way we do it to uh to restaurants perhaps you know you're in people's homes you're 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 not at the cold face you are at the cold face but you're right there receiving the feedback straight away you know um you're you're doing the you know after they've spent bought their house and their car their wedding's probably the most thing they've ever spent their money on in their life and so it's it, it it's a really euphoric day and it's a, it's a it's a lovely thing to be a part of to make people happy like that and so to then do it on this small scale with um $22 meals um and seeing people some were doing it some were doing it uh as a treat and we told them hey stick it on your nice plates don't be sitting in front of the television get a nice bottle of, get a get a nice tumbler of that pinot noir or fiano or whatever the kids are drinking and and sit at the table and talk and share and break bread and do all that sort of stuff and so and we that they they were part of their cooking instructions their reheating instructions were this is how we want you to enjoy this food it's 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 you it's produced from the valley you live in prepared by people who live in this valley for you this lovely sort of idea of a loop um and so some people were doing it for a treat some people will to this day anthony huckstep we are feeding them and w- w- they have decided that they they're over it and and we are feeding them uh seven nights a week um and then and it's a beautiful thing you know and it makes you understand what what cooking or what the craft of cookery gives you and what it, what it doesn't give you it's not about dots and foams and airs and gels and symphonies and cutting things into rhombuses and parallelograms it's I mean it can be it can be all of those things but it's making people happy but then there's other people who are are supporting us for simply that they are not not in a, in a condescending way they're doing it to support us they're doing it to actually to 
they're, they're part of a community and they think, well, we're going to spend money with you, Al. We're going to get our hair cut at Scotty Barberino's in the main street in Samford. We're going to get our car service there. We're going to buy our mushrooms from Maddie, our silver beet from Liam, all that sort of stuff. And if you called them tomorrow and said, hey, what, what, did, you, what did you eat from Alistair last night? They probably couldn't remember, but they would say, but we supported. And, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a broad, holistic sort of uh, sense, a, a positive uh, message that's come out of this, I think. There's restaurants and then there's great restaurants. And the same with caterers. There's caterers and great caterers. What, what makes a great catered event? I think if I can preface my answer by saying, you know, no, no cook, this is my words, not speaking for anyone else, you know, is no cook wants to be the, the chef of a catering business any more than they want to be the chef of a, a prison, a hospital, a cruise ship, you know. It's not the vanguard, and I, I know that. Um, you know, you're not, uh, you know, with flames and you're cooking that meal for that person right away. There is a, a different set of sort of sensibilities and, and processes that have to happen. But if I didn't think we could do the same thing as we were doing in the restaurants, as close as shit is to swearing, I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it. I think that excellence could exist, can, can and does exist at, at every level. And, and it shouldn't matter whether you're flipping, you know, foie gras or burgers, really. I think to cook well... Anthony Huckstep, you've got to want to cook well. And and and, and I have actually never enjoyed my cooking so much. Um, I, I enjoy the I enjoy the uh, the control of it. I, I enjoy the fact that um, oh, this week we've got uh, one to five jobs on this week. Tomorrow night I'm going to a little medical clinic and I know exactly how many people I'm going to feed. I know what the diet requirements are. I know what uh, the owner of the company's favourite wine is. I know what his favourite colour is. I know what he likes to drink, mostly lots. And there's there's something very... You, you can really reach people. There's something, you know, there's something very uh, empirical about that. There's something that's good from a commercial point of view about that. Um. It, being able to see my three-year-old girl a little bit more, or I'm convinced I'm seeing her a little bit more. Um, it, it, it's, it's a good, it, we enjoy it as a, we enjoy the business model of it. And I think um, you can do a really, really good job. And, 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 and ultimately it's, you're doing the same thing. You're making people happy uh, with your craft. You mentioned that if you're in the industry, you're in it because of the fervor, because of the passion, uh, because you love what you do. What, where did where did your interest in food start from? Um, my mother is from from here. I, I can actually. I'm looking down to her house right now, Anthony Huckstep. She lives a hundred meters away. My mother was born in the city of Cairns in in tropical North Queensland, and her father was born on Arab Island in the eastern Torres Strait, right up in the tippy tip. Uh, of Australia. Wow. I, I was the uh, name drop alert. I was the Australia Day ambassador for the Torres Strait Islands uh, this this January before everything went uh, pear-shaped. And, and normally the position is is taken by, you know, a leading person in I don't know, the medical field, in, in, in media, um, so, some person of real note, maybe in the military. And, and so I, I was there handing out the awards saying, I'm a cook. <laughs> 
And as I told the story of my genealogy and and sort of joined all those dots together, I mean, my you know, the, the the Aborigines with broad brushstrokes are. Are, are a nomadic people, whereas the Torres Strait Islanders, again, in broad, broad brushstrokes, are cultivators. They put down roots and they grow stuff. Uh, not much up there. I mean, cassava, you know, coconuts, pawpaws. They're not allowed to run cattle because it's a quarantine zone. And so they put down roots. And so the families that are up in the Torres Straits have been up there for eons. Families like um, my mother's family, the Guevara's, there are still dozens and dozens of Guevara's up there. Um, the Savages, uh, the the Kennedys, the Pitts, who go right back to Pitt the Elder, the Prime Minister of the UK. The Sailors, I am most likely related to Wendell Sailor at some point. The Thide, Sammy Thide, ex-Bronco, lives five minutes from where I'm sitting right now. And, and, and so my mother had this you know, a father who was born up there to uh, uh, Spanish and Filipino parents. My nana, who he met, who was running a, a confectionery shop on Thursday Island. Her folks were Sri Lankan and Danish. And so there was no room for prejudice in our house, even though we ended up living in a place called Bloody Belfast when my mum went walkabout. Um, but the smells coming out of our house, Anthony Huckstep in 22 Cliveden Crescent in Belfast, were very different coming out, very different smells coming out of, you know, our neighbours' houses. You know, my mum was a, a lusty, a, a adventurous cook. Um, when I look back, it was okay, but she really, she loved doing it. And there was one, two, there were six of us. And, I, you know, how she was able to put, you know, freshly cooked food on the table every night. Was that a catalyst? Well, it's there. You're the sum of your parts. And, you know, I, I started cooking at the age of 19. I moved over to Scotland, cooked there for a while, cooked in London for a while, moved back to Scotland and worked in a place that is still there to this day called the Ubiquitous Chip, um, run by a fellow who was working in the, the whiskey trade, Ronnie Clydesdale. And so he was always entertaining people in restaurants. And he thought, Jesus, all you get in restaurants in Scotland is deep fried food and every, every restaurant serves chips. So he opened his restaurant, called it the ubiquitous chip and never, and still to this day, of course, they don't serve chips. There's no fryer in the kitchen. And, and he, he would serve, you know, uh, truckle cheddar from Mull. He would serve, you know, uh, mussels from Loch Fine. He would serve Uig. Uig is the very northern tip of the Isle of Skye. Uig landed, uh, you know, squid, calamari. At a time when people thought, isn't that calamari stuff from Spain? You know, <clears throat> you know, he was, I mean, this is early 70s, you know, stating provenance on a menu and being so parochial, having a really narrow focus charter DNA for his business. Um, he, he would remain today, and Ronnie has passed away, a... a uh, you know, a real, you know, ongoing mentor for his philosophies of cooking. Um, I spent time cooking and living in the south of France, in the Languedoc Roussillon, in a town called Collioure, uh, just outside of Perpignan. Uh, that, you know, if I went back to the, the restaurant today, the menu would be the same. Anthony Huckstep, you know, the, the that whole notion that, of course, we're so used to hearing chefs, the, the diatribe of chefs 
of using food that is sourced locally, of course, you know, nutritionally dense, restoratively grown in a biodynamic, you know, regenerative way. But also then using those locally sourced ingredients and cooking only those dishes from the region. And anything else would be considered anathema. You're in the south of France, you use banyuls, saffron, wild fennel. It's in the north where you use apples and uh, cider and potatoes and, and never the twain shall meet. And and that's lovely. That's very soulful. But geez, you know, for someone who comes from a country with, you know, a, a, a culinary lexicon that's probably no bigger than a pamphlet, you know, uh, you know, I mean, the culinary tradition is rich in Ireland, but it's, you know, it's all about subsistence. It was never about, there was never a sense of luxury to it. To this day, I mean, Ireland has always subsisted, really, other than th- those 10 years of the Celtic tiger. Um, you know, Ireland has never really had extraordinary prosperity. And then I spent time in Italy doing the similar sort of thing. And I sort of, I, I did it because I probably had a chip in my shoulder and felt that these were the bastions of, of, of cooking. And, but, you know, they, they're, they're not, they, they don't hold the, the, the you know, the, the, it's not the preserve of the French or the Italian to, to good cookery, but it, 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 it showed me that that was the case. Um, what they do do is genuinely, you know, are genuinely parochial uh, and, and seasonal and they go and shop, you know, they buy their bread twice a day, not twice a week. Uh, and that's not to be fatty or trendy or fashion driven. That's just cultural. And that's, that that's inspiring, you know. You've been a part of the Australian food uh, landscape for quite some time. How have you seen Queensland's food landscape change in the last decade or so? If you looked at, if I was to, you know, look down an imaginary list of our, you know, top ten restaurants. You know, I heard you talking to Adam from uh, Gerard's and. And Alana, you know, if, if you were looked at, or uh, Cameron Matthews, who's back, and you know, he's he's up in uh, Noosa. He's going to be doing something very exciting soon, eh? Um, uh, if you were um, do an imaginary list of those top ten restaurants, I would say that almost all ten of them have no tablecloths, and I think that's a nice, you know, bellwether or harbinger of well where we are at. When I came here. You asked me 10 years ago, but when I came here 25 years ago, the restaurants, you know, would have had, you know, double laid tablecloths, you know, Siggy's at the Heritage that would have been wearing white gloves to serve you your sauce. And, you know, even where I worked when I first came at, at Baguette, um, Francis Dominic's, you know, seminal restaurant, you know, uh, Baguette, um, we, we, were, we were dropping, you know, dishes from, you know, France, you know, onto the menu that it 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 probably that that was him and that the restaurant was the very expression of of, of France and he was from Perpignan just outside where he worked and whenever he interviewed me Anthony he never even told me the bugger anyway um he was like a father to me that man um but you know there was still that sort of ersatz version of that good food equaled French food kind of thing but to answer your question, in the last 10 years, I think there's a real sense of, I'm not saying it in a patronising way, but a real maturity in the food conversation in Queensland that, that's, that, that, that you know, th- there's no point in comparing, uh, 
which is, I think, us Bris- Brisbaneans or Brisbaneites, whatever we're called, uh, are, are prone to do, comparing Brisbane to Sydney or to Melbourne. It's no more relevant than comparing London to, London to Paris or Los Angeles to Rome or New York City to it's it's just it's a totally different uh, uh, food conversation here we are in the subtropics we are we are more casual um but you know all those cooks in that list that top 10 list have traveled the world and have been to bigger food centers and have synthesized and distilled everything they have learned but have then applied it to where they are in the world and so you're saying, I'm not in any great rush to say we've got a clearly defined identity, but I think the aspiration, the perspiration should be that when you open a menu, irrespective of what your style of cooking is, whether you're into the rhombuses and parallelograms, is you should know what season it is and you should know what season it is and you should know where you are in the world without the, the the menu being overly verbose with stating provenance you should have a if you should have a sense of where you are and i think that that's that's where we're arriving at um and that that's a, that's a really good thing uh, um it's less about the chef's uh, ego uh, and bombast that's still important i think you still need to have a bit of that that propels you um but it does seem to be about shining the light on the real stars of the show, and that is the season and the produce available, um, and that makes sense from a you know it makes sense for the business's point of view. Because I think you know it's interesting. I, I think when I talk to people when I do uh, cooking demonstrations or some such Anthony Huckstep, people are asking me they, they don't say hey how did you cook that they say where did you get that from you know there, there's a real there's a real undercurrent of people giving consideration for what they're putting in their body um you know we're eating out you know 11 times a month now instead of 11 times a year and so you know people are much more interested in in the the the, the nutritional denseness of their food that they, they're wanting to know the provenance i mean and this is all to varying degrees. There's an anecdotal interest or there's a neurotic interest. They want to know the bloody macros. They want to know everything. But I think the, the chefs are responding to that in a way that they're producing. This this list of the top 10 restaurants are producing food that you can eat 11 times a month. It's it's not all big night out stuff. Uh, and I, I, that's a good thing for, for where we are in the world. You've had some amazing influences over your career. How much has your your own cooking changed? It can, continues to evolve and change. I mean, you know, that whole notion of, uh, uh, you know, you rest, you rust. I think I said that earlier. You know, I, I, it's, there's, I think, you know, cooking is not this set in stone thing. There is this this restless spirit that, that exists with cooking that, you know, it, it, you never stop learning, of course. And, and, I find it's it's interesting. I, I did a, a cooking thing recently out in the Lockyer Valley, an hour and fifteen minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, in the soil out there is in the top ten most fertile uh, soil or regions on the planet, and it's an hour and fifteen minutes from where we're standing right now. They grow, you know, if you like, generic crops like onions, celery, carrots beetroot but in prolific prodigious amounts and i was doing a dinner out there and there was you know members of government that sort of thing and i was cooking for them but the the most the, the people i was most anxious 
uh, or feeling that sort of uh, that friction for, for nervousness cooking for was the farmers who were in attendance. And it was that sense of duty, of obligation, not to muck around with their, their ingredients and to, for them to feel that I had done them justice. That was really, really important to me. And so in terms of how we cook now, you know, if, if I was, you know, we write menus for every single uh, client and, and, and I say to them, what it says it is on the menu is what it is. You know, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no, you know, just list of four words with just staccato uh, uh, punctuation. That there's an explanation of what it is, and that's what it is. We're not trying to befuddle people or mystify them or create, you know, any sort of theatrics with it. But everything is recognisable. So, and you want it? Do you want to do this dance between? when Anthony Huckstep comes for dinner, he can see what you've done. He can see the time and the care that you've put into it. But at the same time, Uncle Bob doesn't feel disenfranchised and go, um, excuse me, dear, what is this? You know, and I think that, that's an important, that, that, that's where cooking should be. Uh, uh, I'll tell you something that hasn't happened yet, Anthony Huckstep, if I may. Um, I've, I've, Am I allowed to tell you? Oh, it doesn't matter. I got a call the other day um, from a chef in Brisbane, um, up and coming chef. His name's Philip Johnson from Echo. Mm. <laughs> very, yeah, very up and coming. Indeed. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and so Philip called me and he said, Alistair, I said, Mr. Johnson, he said, I'd like you to, you to uh, cater um, the Echo Christmas party. And that's it right there. That's it right there, Anthony. I mean, that. I mean, even just me saying that to you, know, I'm a 51-year-old man, Anthony Huckstep, I, I, I just makes me smile. I feel so terribly, terribly proud. I can remember when I came here, uh, uh, Anthony, uh, he, Philip's restaurant, as voted by Rick Stein, had won the Remy Martin, Gourmet Traveller Restaurant of the Year. I think it was 96. And, geez, I couldn't get in for, couldn't get in for bloody six months. And... And, and, and now I have uh, Philip Johnson saying, come and cook my crisps. And I'll, I'll tell you something else. So I had Philip out to the house and uh, Alejandro Cancino, uh, ex-Urbane, and Richard Usby. And you know, I know you know all of these guys. And we had, I had them over for lunch. And because uh, my wife is vegetarian, we don't eat any plants at home. And then on account of Alejandro being vegan, I filled them full of a lot of piss first. Um, but we ate... A fully plant-based meal. And, you know, cooks, uh, painters get together and talk about the price of paint. And cooks get together and just talk about food. And, you know, I'll just digress for a second. You know, I can't imagine, you know, uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz calling up uh, BMW saying, hey, I've got a problem with my sat-nav. Could you tell us what you guys do? You know, could you give us a wee hand? They would go get nicked. Cooks get together and there's that sense of, togetherness of community and sharing and I, I realize that's the only company I really feel very comfortable in and so then to have uh, Philip Johnson say one I want you to do our Christmas party and he said you know what I want you to make it vegetarian I, that, that's what I want to do that's what I how I want my team to eat this Christmas Alistair so I'm going uh, next Monday to cook for Philip Johnson and his team his his echo uh, bistro team and that I mean that's that could be as good as it gets uh, Anthony Huckstep 
You mentioned that sense of community and that real connection that and sharing that chefs have between each other. How important has that been during this time for the industry? Let me can I answer you by saying just ahead of the pandemic. I mean, we were deep in the weeds a little bit before that with the bushfire season, and we did a dinner at on the thirty first of uh, January at a big venue in Brisbane that just and. Uh, the sense of 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 willingness from from Dave Sorekis to to Will Cowper and you know Richard Oosby I've mentioned uh, Glenn Barrett who used to work for David Pugh's now at Wild Canary and Matt Galinsky and um, this this wonderful sense of 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 a community uh, coming together has been it's it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, and and you know and then as as we went into you know something that we never thought we'd ever see you know ever um i, I find it really really uh, uh that's that's the people that have, have have kept as a community have despite the the, the grimness of it despite the the the, the the slimness of the uh, 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 return at the best of times, Anthony Huckstep, to see, broadly speaking, this resilience, this this um, sense of of, uh, of of tenacity, of, of uh, you know, a steely optimism, is, is really a, a galvanizing. You know, uh, uh, and you know, w- will there be an attrition? Of course, there'll be an attrition, um, but but n- none of them will. You know, not, none of them will, 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 you know, drop to their knees. That they will go down fighting, uh, and and that's that's very motivating. You know, it, 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 is it unique to this industry? I don't know if it's unique to this industry, but I think it is because it's 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 an industry that's driven by, you know, you know, passion. It's it's a they're passion projects, and and they're the people you want to be around. You know. Uh, we we do a lot of functions for, you know, white collar workers, and you know, I, I would be serving them food. I don't know if I like their conversation as much as the conversations I like when I'm, you know, hanging out at the Nusa Food and Wine Festival. They're my peeps. This year, you've had to adapt and change sort of what you're doing, and a lot of the events that you normally do, particularly weddings, have been postponed. How have you felt this year about your vocation and about? you know, events and that whole industry moving forward? We have, an, another thing that we have done, Anthony, during this time, uh, when we, if I can go back, when we set up uh, Alfresco, we started off as uh, Carnies. We did a market stall in uh, New Farm in Brisbane for two and a half years. And and this is after I got out of restaurants and decided, right, if you, you know, doing things the same way and expecting the same results. So we decided to do something entirely different. And so we started this market stall. And I can remember when people would see us setting up and they would go, aren't, aren't you Alistair? Aren't you that, that cook of considerable repute? That's probably me saying that. But, and, but, but what, they were say, what they were saying, or sorry, what they weren't saying was, are you a carny? And, and you know, there, there's, a, there's a dent to the ego there, if you like, for 10 minutes. Um, but you know, if I go back to what I said earlier, it doesn't matter whether you're what you know. Excellence exists at every le- level, and you know, 
that market for two and a half years made us really distilled for us what good cooking is and what good cooking isn't. There's no correlation between how tricky something is and how delicious something is. And so we did this market stall for two and a half years and we got very close to the earth. And it really, it didn't totally reboot, but it certainly refreshed and gave me clarity about one, what makes people happy, but also what, what uh, you know, what people want to eat, you know. Um, we did a, a 90 second omelet that was never ready in 90 seconds, you know, and we, we got eggs from the fellow across the way. We got cheese from Camille Morteau up at Gimpy. We got tomatoes from Noosa and we did. So the omelet was, was an express and a snapshot of taste of that market on that day, every single week. Uh, and and so were all our dishes, and so, and so, we did that for a while, and then we got to the point where doing the market and then doing a wedding at night meant every Saturday was a, a twenty-four hour day, every single week a twenty-four hour day. Once you have a few tumblers of wine when you get home, so that was we were starting to see cracks there, and so we let it go. But we have been in the last uh, since the middle of the pandemic. Uh, Anthony Huckstep, we have been doing a market just north of where we live called Reko, R-E-K-O, which is, it's a, it's, a, it's a new idea to Australia. It's not a new idea. A Finnish, a Scandinavian farmer came up with the idea of, of providing a conduit, joining the dots between the farmer and, and the consumer that, isn't, that doesn't involve getting up at 2.30 in the morning and, uh, uh, you know, picking your produce, going to the market, setting up your three metre by three metre tent, standing there all day while people eat your samples and, and then packing down and going home. So, it, you know, and so the way the Reco, and Reco is a portmanteau, it's real consumption in Finnish. Um, just sort of genuine consumption is the, is the sort of the notion, the idea. And people make their uh, acquisitions through a thing called Facebook, I don't know if you've heard of it. And so people could be buying, you know, strawberries uh, from Mandy uh, at Loverberry or buying, you know, uh, Karen Lindsay's uh, goat's cheese or Jackie Hinchy's uh, greens. They could be buying meals from me. They could be buying uh, freshly cut flowers grown from seed by Amy. They could be buying gin distilled by John out at Lacey's Creek, uh, who's selling it out at the back of the car. It's like prohibition times. But John's gin, I should tell you this, Anthony, your, your listeners will be interested in this. John does a moonlight, uh, a Morton sunrise gin, an ink gin, which is very much the zeitgeist. And it is, you know, stained with the butterfly pea flower. And that gives it its, its purple stain. And you go, gosh, am I ever going to remember the name of butterfly pea flower? The botanical name is Clitoria. You'll never forget Now, where were we? And so, and so people make their purchases for the Reco market, whichever one they want to visit, online through Facebook. So all of the providors have made their sale before they go to the market. Don't you want your farmer to get paid immediately? You know, just a digression for a second. The average age of a farmer in Australia just over 100 years ago was 21. The average age of a farmer in Australia today is nudging the, their mid-60s. We need to use it or lose it. You know, the, the, the average shopping trolley of 29 items has done two Jessica Watson trips. Remember the girl who sailed around the world? 70,000 kilometers, the average shopping trolley to get into your trolley. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. You know, 
To this day, up to half our fruit and veggies still comes in from offshore when you include tinned products. We've, we've got a ways to go. And the best way to get this, get nutritional food for your family is to be sourced locally. So the Reco market, the farmer gets his money straight away. And then you are advised to turn up to that market between 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock or whatever time it is on that day. And so people flow through the market, Anthony Huckstep, like a drive through This wasn't because of uh, uh, the pandemic. This is the way it works. You, you drive through and you go, hello. Oh, hello, uh, Fran, nice to see you. And you pass her, her wares to her through the window and they drive down the line. And so it makes it easy for the consumer. It's excellent for the farmer. And the, the, the farmer gets his money. It's, you, you can shop without you know, fear of being, uh, having the marketeers screaming at you to come over. You can shop online in the comfort of your own home and then go and pick it up. It is ingenious. That, that tangent was extraordinary. Uh, how, how, does, how do you feel about events moving forward after this year and, and everything that you do with that connection with food? In terms of how I see events moving forward, the benefit of being a caterer, I can see it, Anthony Huckstep. I can see the diary. You know, if there's a big uh, uh, AFL, AFL game on at the Gabba, for example, and you're in a restaurant, you're going to feel it. But I can see what's in my diary. I can see what's coming. And it's looking okay. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but it's looking okay. Next year is looking good. We have, as you said, at the, the top of the show, the borders have opened. We are seeing uh, people can book for functions up to 200 people now. We can see that starting to happen again. Um, the existing weddings that are in the diary are now upon us. They're, uh, so it seems to be, it seems to be returned. I think people, you know, we are creatures of habit. Uh, and I think we, we, it's it's such a, embedded part of our, our culture to, 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 to spend our money the way we do. Uh, uh, and, and I think we're seeing, uh, if, if I can give you a taste of what we're seeing in the immediate future, normally, um, you know, during December now, we, we, uh, I'm not sure when you're going to broadcast this, but in December, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty damn busy, you know. It's, and then January, you know, well, people normally go away, don't they? They go away to Bali or they go to Nusa or they go somewhere. Um, but we can see our, our diary is looking very strong for January, which is clearly a reflection of uh, the travel restrictions. And uh, so we'll take that. We'll take that, Anthony Huckstep. And, you know, another thing, you know, if our natural uh, uh, sort of model is, you know, 40, 50 weddings a year, we're we're doing we're doing a lot more work at the moment. We're doing a lot more processing because at the moment, events are much smaller 40, 50, 70, 80 people. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. We do that. We do home delivered meals. We do the Reco market, and and we do it all with the same amount of you know excellence. Um, and I I really don't see any uh, a, a difference in. It. I don't see it's like a different product. It's because it's all. You know, what, what we cook for our business, what I would cook in a, a cooking demonstration or what I cook at home, it's all the same. I mean, we're, we are, we're fully immersed in this, you know, in, in, and, and the cooking's the same. This whole notion of 
going home and eating, you know, a cheese toasty and, you know, it's we, we, eat, we eat the same food that we cook for our guests at home. Uh, it's, it's important, especially, as you know, with young kids, you know, you got to... Uh, the mellifluous tones of Anthony Huckstep. Nice I, I, to talk I, to you, I'm sir. Thinking, I am very well. I'm thinking Anthony Huckstep, it's looking okay. And I say that, you know, with a bit of, bit of with a bit of trepidatiousness. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think... When you when you scan the land, landscape, you know we've done a good job. But you know the, the 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 flights are starting to return to Australia. What impact will that have? We have to keep one eye on that. How are you going to look back at this time? What sort of positives can you take through from twenty twenty? We spend a lot of time working, uh, you know, in our business, and probably not enough time on the business. So it really gave us an opportunity to really get clear you know, and screw things down and every cost center of the business and look at where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are, uh, where our sweet spots are. Um, we're probably still not there yet because part of the, you know, that DNA is to wanting to please. So if someone says, can you do a function for 20? We just still say yes, because we go, oh, they're good people to cook for. Who knows what that will lead to? And I think that's a good spirit to have. I think that's a good spirit to have. But in, in broad terms, I think we, we've got smarter with it. We've got much leaner with it. Um, and that's a good thing as well. Of course, of course it's a good thing as well. Um, we've learned to uh, to not sweat the small stuff. We, we've said to ourselves, Anthony Huckstep, are we less happy now that we've got less dough? And it's really, these are sort of really... Uh, revealing, illuminating questions to ask yourselves, you know, and be really honest with yourselves. And we, we really believe, you know, that we're, we're no less happy. So that must mean that we're not more happy with more dough, um, which that, that makes me smile in the sense that we're doing this for the right reason. We, we, we are, we are we doing have this business, a, a catering uh, business, working that, in this business together hat for, for the right reasons. Uh, you know, because we're all you know, initially, mid sort of May, and it was... Uh, you know, and you really should be enjoying what you're doing. Um, you know, there's obviously, there's always elements of the daily, weekly grind that you'd like to sort of, you know, like, you know, the peel and the potatoes, but then Valentino doesn't sew every button on every jacket. Um, it's, 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 it's made us more empathetic. It's given us more uh, gratitude uh, and it's made us more mindful. Well, Alastair, it's an absolute joy to catch up with you. I could listen to you all day. You're a bloody legend. Um, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds. Good luck over the summer and um, with all the, the events and weddings as they, they start again. Uh, please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Anthony. It's, uh, it's perspirational talking to you, but it's been <laughs> inspirational and aspirational listening to your series. It really has. Amazing. Keep in touch. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>